Welcome to the Kingdom Life San Antonio podcast. For more information about Kingdom Life San Antonio, check out KingdomLifeSA.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. So please honor and welcome Drew Neal and Brian Orm. Yeah. Good to, good to see you, Evie. Good to see everybody. Hello, everybody. Good to see you. We got miniature flowers and larger ones. Yeah. You're looking good, here. Brian. Thanks. Wow. You're Doesn't Brian right. look good tonight, everybody? Yeah. You're looking okay. I'm looking okay? Mediocre. Mediocre. Okay. Excellent. Pedestrian, maybe. <laughs> I texted Joey when I landed, and I said, Joey, just to let you know, I've, I've landed in San Antonio, and you're now the second best looking man in Texas. <laughs> And uh, I had to let him know that I got here, and uh, so <laughs> I was with Brian Schwartz, a good friend of Joey and Kelly's, and he told, he told me that he, that's what he texts Joey every time he lands in Texas. He says, Joey, I wanted you to know this, you're now the second best looking man in Texas because I'm here. So it is, uh, it is funny. You're, you're handsome as well, Joey. We, we, we love you, man. Now you got to introduce us before we're back together as Brew. That's our, that's our new speaking name together. It's Brew. Brew. Brian and Drew. We're now, we are now Brew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Vintage Brew. Craft. Craft Brew. Craft Brew. Yes. yes. Handcrafted. Indeed. So you've been here before. I've been here before. I've never been here before. You've never been here before. So I don't know. When you hear somebody new, I kind of want to know, like, who is this person? Like, what, what is going on with this person? And I find one of the best ways to discover who a person is is an embarrassing story. Yes. It's good. This church likes embarrassing stories. Yeah. Me and Joey have a special embarrassing story connection, as, as do Chuck and I. This is more probably in the realm of humiliation, but. Uh-huh. So it's 1998. I'm in Salt Lake City. We're helping plant a church and do university ministry at the University of Utah. I'm not married yet. And we're doing these renewal meetings. Remember renewal meetings? Friday nights, praying for the sick. And so I was on task to pray for people. Now, this woman comes up, and she has a large carbon footprint. Let's just say that. So I'm alone. I'm... Small carbon footprint. There's not enough of me (laughs) if something goes down. So I'm waving over a friend, George. He's larger than me. I'm like, two of us together, we're okay. So I just got behind the woman, put my hand on the small of her back just to let her know I was there. It's the kingdom safety touch. Yeah. You know, just, you need that security there. And then she began to descend. Now, there's slow motion, then there's super slow motion. My first thought was I could have never imagined this is how I was going to die. (laughs) My second thought is I would have liked to have married that girl that was on the front row. So this woman lands on me completely, and she's out. Now, I th- I'm thinking, surely she'll recognize there's a human being underneath her. No, just out. So I'm contemplating, do I get her out of the glory so that I can live, or how does this work? So my last dying breath, I just whisper in her ear, could you move so that I might live? And she begins to do this, get a rocking motion. 
to get the momentum required. Any bone that didn't break on the way down is now on the brink. So she gets off of me. I should have stopped at that point, but I kept praying for people. So I go over to another woman. I should have had a sozo, actually, after that. <laughs> I go over to this woman. She has very curly hair, like incredibly curly. So George is behind her. I'm in front. We're good to go, right? I pray. She begins to kind of go backwards. And I was like, oh, yes, Lord. And then right into my chest, her head goes. And the curls find their way around a button. <laughs> I am not making this up, by the way. She falls back. <laughs> Whenever you want a button to come off, this is the moment. It stays on. I fall on top of her. It's reverse of the last situation. My head is in the mammary region. So it's as awkward as it can get. I'm hoping she's going to be out like the first woman. Oh, she's wide awake. What are you doing? I don't know. I, I have no idea. The moral of that story really is there's a time you need to stop praying for people. Just call tonight. Brian launched a new website called howtocatchinrenewalmeetings.com. You guys can go there and take the course. It's, we don't know if it's stand-up or if it's educational. It's one of the two. Mm -hmm. Now, you have a, an embarrassing story, too. Uh, yeah, I've had a few embarrassing moments, yeah, that we've had that. And uh, I was sharing earlier today, uh, I used to host a bunch of concerts. And anybody like Phil Wickham? Maybe, yeah, Phil Wickham? Good guy, right? So I, I love Phil Wickham. And he was coming on the scene mid-2000s. And so I, I brought him into Detroit. We're doing this, you know, big event, all the things. And uh, a few weeks before that, I had bought the iPhone. The iPhone had just come out. And you remember when, like, uh, ringtones were a thing? You know, everyone, you know, we all wanted ringtones. Well, I didn't really love ringtones, actually. But iTunes, could, like, you could make your own ringtone with a song. So I was listening to a lot of Phil's music at the time. And so I had decided to use one of his songs to make a ringtone, figure out how this thing works. So I was like, you know, I had synced my phone, and then all of a sudden, every time my phone was ringing, I was hearing this Phil Wickham song, and that was annoying. So I was like, well, I don't, you know, I'll just leave it for when my wife, Melissa, calls. And then if I hear this ringtone, I know that it's her. Makes sense, right? So one of the things, you know, when you're working with people who have a high profile, the thing that you never want to be is a fanboy. You don't want to be a fanboy. Like, you don't want to be put in that zone. That would be like, you know, walking up to someone and wearing their T-shirt, you know. Like, you, you just, you get put in a category when that happens. And so you're always trying to manage the opportunity for connection and, and relationship there. And so Phil shows up to the venue after I had done all this iPhone stuff. And, uh, and so I, I greet them, say, hello, how you doing? He's in a vehicle. The band's showing up and trailers and all the things. And, uh, but he was there early with his manager. And so I'm like, hey, let me, let me grab some of your things. Now, my phone is never on ring. Ever. It's never on ring. It's always on silent. And I think it's common out today. But that day, for some reason, my phone is in my pocket and the ringer is turned on. And so I, I reached to go grab Phil's suitcase and his guitar. And we're getting out of this car. I'm like, Let me help you guys get in. And who do you know would like to call me in this moment where Phil Wickham is standing here and I have his stuff in my hands? My wife. And Phil looks at me and he says, really? 
So I was placed into the fanboy category that night, and um, I hosted more concerts, and he really wouldn't talk to me, even in future concerts, because I was the fanboy. <laughs> and uh, the moral of that story is, keep your ringer off, I guess. I don't know. I needed some divine intelligence to be able to anticipate what was going to be going on. That's true. Some divine intelligence. And he's in San Diego. Bill he's in San Diego. Yeah, yeah, he is. I'll, uh, I'll redeem it for you. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> Divine intelligence is something that we are very excited about, Brian and I, and it's actually the reason that God's kind of advanced our relationship and our connection, and it's something that we want to talk with you guys about tonight. Um, how many know that we don't need our intelligence, we need God's intelligence to solve the world's greatest problems? We have a lot of interesting things happening in the world right now where we need solutions that are truly going to dignify people with value. And we're very excited because we believe there's an invitation in the kingdom for us to be able to understand the needs of people in a way like we've never understood the needs, but also to understand how to gain access to the solutions that will meet the needs of people around us. And so it's a very, very exciting time, and Brian and I have been on a journey here of exploring what is possible when we learn how to love God with our mind. And and so divine intelligence, we have a little, little thought on divine intelligence, what it is. Brian, how do we define it? Well, I thought of something new tonight. Okay. Oh, they're getting yeah. fresh rhema tonight. More freshness. Uh, thinking squared. We're not thinking alone. We're loving God with our mind. It's a, it's a surge of divine data that begins to flow and actually is always flowing so that we can set our mind on things above. Wisdom is from above, right? So divine intelligence is the stimulation of the substance of the mind of Christ upon our mind. And there's a synchronicity, and that synchronicity begins to produce things, fruit in the world, solutions, blueprints, strategies, business plans, whatever the context, there is a solution because the mind of Christ is limitless. It's not partitioned in any way. Jesus didn't say, hey, I'm going to give you like three-fourths of my mind. If you jump through some hoops, I might share the other quarter. He says, I'm giving you my full mind. You have access. And so our union with Christ is where all fruitfulness flows. And we've been unified with the mind of Christ. Every one of us is brilliant. Like you have the mind of Christ. You literally are brilliant. So it's how do we utilize that space, the mind of Christ that is limitless, to actually have things that are tangible. You know, heaven on earth should look like something. And so the mind of Christ allows us to architect, administrate, actually mystery into the world. Yeah, one of the things, you know, Jesus said, you know, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, which I think we feel comfortable with that. To love the Lord with our strength, right, our ability, like we, we know what that is. We feel pretty good about that. Love the Lord your God with all of your soul. We are getting a little healthier, right? We're get, becoming aware that we have to open ourselves up to that soul restoration. But loving God with our mind has been a little bit complicated for good charismatics because we've had a value, and the value is to not grieve the Holy Spirit, to not quench the Holy Spirit. And I really believe that we're coming into a place of maturity where we're learning how to make sure that our mind is serving the Spirit of God. 
and coming to a point where we would learn how to love God with our mind and realize that when our mind is truly operating in the place of renewal, when it's operating in the promise of the new covenant, which was a new heart, a new mind, and a new spirit, when I believe that that actually happened, I can begin to think with God, think like God in my union with him in a way like we've never even dreamed possible. And so there's a brilliance of heaven that's available when we learn how to love God with our mind. There's something available that we as charismatic believers, spirit-filled believers, haven't tapped into yet when it comes to manifesting in the seen realm what we have seen and heard in the physical or in the unseen realm. And so the end goal here, the common motivator, I think we all share in the room and the share a passion in this, we realize this and more of the world's waking up to it, is the idea of heaven on earth. Very foundational now in our movement, right? And, uh, and so this, this idea is something we've talked a lot about. Something we've talked a lot about. It's something we've prophesied about. It's something we've seen in the unseen a lot in this category. But the question is, is if transformation is going to reach its full capacity, how do we begin to build heaven on earth? How do we actually begin to build it, like physically build heaven? If heaven's going to come on the earth and something new is going to be established, then we as people got to realize that we're not in the way of that plan. We are not going to be victims to that plan. We are the plan for heaven to be built on the earth. I said, you're not a problem. You're a solution. You're not in the way of the plan of God. You are the plan of God. You're not a roadblock, you're a conduit. God's not going to do something just to you. God wants to do something through you into the earth. And so our common motivator is to build heaven, to see heaven on the earth. And the transition we're in right now is to not just be able to listen and hear or see heaven, but begin to actually construct and build heaven on the earth. That's going to be transformation. That's good, man. I'm in a mystic space, and... Sometimes mystics are interesting because it's so ambiguous and nebulous. And I get done talking to some, I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And when somebody says, man, they're really moving in wisdom, for example, I'm like, if, they, if I don't see anything tangible that they have built and constructed that people can touch and interact with, I don't know if that's wisdom. Like, we have to take what's in the undetectable, the non-local, and translate, decode, architect, administrate into something that is tangible in the earth. That's why we're on the earth. It's not just about talking about things and ruminating in something that seems really mysterious. And yes, there are parts of God that are mysterious, right? And yet, when Paul begins to write, you've been given insight. It's an epinosis. It's a generational ancient future knowledge you've been given insight into the mystery of christ even the mysteries of christ don't have to stay mysteries the mysteries of the cosmos don't have to stay mysteries he wants to share this with us so that we're a bridge from the unseen to the seen do you mind if i share something else on that yeah because i was going to slap you if you said no i'm just kidding <laughs> so. 
Hold on, I think we need some counseling here real quick. <laughs> <laughs> like when God creates, the Holy Spirit's there, brooding, moving over the waters, vibrating, means to vibrate over the waters, vibrational frequency, and the Father sings because everything's music and math. Everything is notes and numbers. He sings, let there be light. Uncreated light, photons came later. John 1 says everything visible and invisible came into existence through Christ. Jesus was the transitioning agent. He was saying, let there be Jesus. There had to be a transitioning agent to bring what was in the undetectable into the detectable. The only thing in quantum physics that we've discovered that brings in the non-local, the local, is light. It's the only transitioning agent there is. So Jesus becomes that transitioning agent. Now, we're a new creation in Christ. You're primarily a body of water. You're mostly water. The Holy Spirit's not just in you. He's upon you. He's brooding over you, over the waters of your life. And then the Father sings over us. Yes? Sound familiar? So old creation is groaning for you, the new creation. And then there's water that actually comes out of us that we're actually supposed to impact the cosmos from what is inside of us that's a gift from the source of all things. And then Jesus, who is the light of the world, says now, hey, you're the light of the world. We're sons of light. We're children of light. We are now the transitioning agent. We are Jacob's ladder. We are the meeting place of heaven and earth. We are what allows what's in the undetectable space to then be detectable, but that requires a utilization and partnership with wisdom to see things that are on the heart of God and the mind of God manifest in the earth. So good. So there, there's a challenge in that right now. And, and I think this is like a picture of kind of where we're at as kingdom-minded believers. We're in a transition of understanding how to be fully connected in the unseen and live within a supernatural reality and then also do the same thing in the seen world. But, I, you know, many times, you know, faith sees, right? So you listen, you acquire faith, and faith begins to see. You know, people who have a high gift of faith are usually high visionaries, right? They have this ability to see the future, to anticipate the future, and it's an amazing thing. But, you know, right now, faith and wisdom are at odds with one another. Because faith sees something very, very specific, and, and it sets its eyes on it, and it is locked in. I mean, I love the gift of faith. When people have a high gift of faith, I mean, it's like their conviction is so deeply rooted, and they are unwavering. I mean, unwavering. And it's remarkable. How many are thankful for the gift of faith? It's absolutely remarkable. But what's interesting is, you know, faith says, I see a camera right there. You know, let's say the camera isn't there, but faith would say, I anticipate that there is a camera there in the future. I prophesy that there's a camera in the future. I declare, I see it, and we are going to get to the camera that is there. Well, the hard thing about faith is that, well, faith sees something in a direction, and the core assumption is faith is that I'm going to walk in that direction, and nothing's going to stop me. The hard thing about it, though, is that there's a person right here in a chair. What's your name, man? Stone? Stone? That's an awesome name, bro. Very fitting for your example. Yeah, very fair. <laughs> because faith wants to go through here, and then it's like, wait a minute, I just hit a stone. 
You see, faith without wisdom will violate whoever's in the way to get there. Because faith doesn't know how. Faith just knows what. Wisdom is a supernatural strategy. Wisdom is the architect's anointing. Wisdom is the blueprint of heaven. So when we start talking about divine intelligence, this isn't just about my brilliance or my ability to think or my smartness, to make up a word. It's actually the ability from God to understand that there is a path that may not seem obvious, but when we come one with the mind of God, we realize that the gift of faith to see can now be positioned to take a path that is not straight, but the first step is left. Now, faith has a hard time because faith says, no, I see this thing in the future, and wisdom's like, yes, if we want to do it, turn left. No, 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 we got to go straight. And so faith, the gift of faith without wisdom has violated so many people. It's violated movements, and it's left a wake of damage behind it because it didn't understand how to dignify people with value because when God shows us something, there's a way to get there and set everyone free at the same time. And so we need wisdom with our faith so that we're able to actually get the blueprint of how to get to that place and actually build the thing that faith has seen. So good, man. Wonder is kind of a piece to that. You know, wonder is a window to wisdom. And really beauty is a window to wonder. You ever get into like a really beautiful location? My family and I were in Evergreen, Colorado in the month of June. And we had some friends who were like, hey, why don't you stay in our cabin? And I was like, okay. Now, I had, a, I had a context for what a cabin was. And so we show up. It's this 10,000-square-foot house. I'm like, this is not a cabin. <laughs> but beautiful. There's only one other house in this road. You go up way up this mountain. And it's just absolutely beautiful. For me, nature is a really great recalibration. And it's when I'm in the presence of just creation and the beauty of it, that different pace and that different place really offers a different perspective. And it really becomes, like I'm saying, a window to wonder. Now, everything we're talking about, wonder, wisdom, faith, all of this stuff is off-world, but it's supposed to manifest on-world. Now, you are off-world and on-world, right? We're seated with Christ, Ephesians chapter 2. We've been given access to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, we have access to his heart and his mind. So it's, it's not, the two camps are let's focus on one place or the other. It's both. Like if you're more mystically centric, like you're more drawn to the supernatural, well, you don't have to choose whether you're going to be mystical or intellectual. You can be both. You can think and believe at the same time. They're not contrary. And so this wonder piece which can be nebulous and can be mysterious. We've all had that experience of the wonder of God, right? You can't explain it in the moment. It's beyond our understanding, but there's something happening inside of you. That it's, should be ground out in our intimate connection with God into something tangible. And that's where there's an overlap. There's a meeting place of wonder and wisdom where they begin to work in tandem to actually begin to produce fruit from the place of wonder. It's just some people stay in wonder. Look, I love wonder. Like, I, lo I love the presence of God. We sang about the presence of God. 
It's like some people stay in that place and they're seeing things, but there's no action. Action, like vision without action is a hallucination. Action without desire is religion. So there has to, it's all about connection. When Adam and Eve fell, they fell out of wonder. Like wonder is about connection. Like if I'm really in a space of wonder, I want to know him more and I want to know his children more. That's the fruit of wonder that brings us into wisdom. You know, as a, as a prophetic movement, we are hardwired to listen, right? Like, and we're coming into that reality that we all are hardwired to listen, and which is really, really exciting because we're, we're realizing all of us can hear God's voice, we can all prophesy, and, and the key skill you need, the physical skill you need to have faith and to prophesy is first to listen, right? You have to hear God. And so our movement, really the whole last 100 years of the awakening of, of the Spirit of God has been a double down on the ability to listen. And so the whole foundation of life in the Spirit is connected to that understanding. But isn't it interesting that Jesus said, it is more profitable that I go away. You know, there's two forms of profit in the kingdom, right? There's profit to prophesy, as we know it is, which means to advance with words, P-R-O-P-H-E-T. But there's another form of prophet, and it's the word that Jesus used there in the New Testament. He says, it's more profitable that I go away from you, and it's actually to advance with action, P-R-O-F-I-T. And so when I prophesy, I'm advancing with words. When I am profitable, I'm advancing with action. And so Jesus realized that if he was to remove himself, that it would allow the disciples to be empowered into a place of action that the, or, and really authority to do the thing that he had commanded them to do. Isn't it interesting? In, in uh, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said that the wise man is like those that built their house on the rock because they heard and they did what I told them to do. As spirit-filled believers, we've been hardwired in our foundation to listen. And in the apostolic renewal, what's happening is we're realizing that we also have to do. But we do out of the foundation of what we've heard. And what we're realizing is that there's supernatural action. There's supernatural profitability. There's supernatural prophecy. And there's supernatural profitability. And we're being invited into the wonder of what's possible to build on the earth with a physical reality, but do it through that translation of light so that it remains supernatural in its whole existence, even though I see it in the physical realm. Does that make sense? And so what's happening is there's a marrying together of this apostolic prophetic renewal where we're realizing the mixing of the graces. Prophets without apostles will encourage people, but prophets with apostles will build people. That's exciting, isn't it? And so we're seeing as the, as the graces mix that there's, hey, yes, we want to see. Yes, we want to listen. Actually, we have to see and we have to listen. But then after we've heard, we now have to accept responsibility because you gain anointing for the things you accept responsibility for. Dan McCollum shared that with me. Oh, yeah. You gain anointing for the things you accept responsibility for. 
One of the greatest opportunities to manifest heaven on the earth right now is simply to accept responsibility for what you've heard. And then for who needs to benefit from that responsibility. Good, man. So it's easy to not take responsibility when you're just seeing stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's see more stuff. Cool. I mean, this is cool. This is fun. But what are we going to do? How are we going to take this out? And when we talk about wonder, we talk about wisdom, we talk about understanding. All these things are being, I, I, mentioned, I mentioned epinosis, which is illumination. It's light. It's, uh, there's a Greek word, theoria. It's like this divine illumination. That light of God, that uncreated light, when it begins to come in, like when God speaks to us first, it's spirit to spirit. So it may not make sense at first, but as we engage with our relationship with God, there's a translation piece that takes place. Like, if I don't totally speak your language, but I spend time trying to find connection with you, I'm going to be able to communicate, and you're going to be able to understand what I'm saying or vice versa. When I begin to flow in that place of connection with God, then I can begin to translate something that started as uncreated light, as mysterious, and now what was very mysterious is uncreated light. Actually, someone can grab a hold of. Like, imagine if somebody wrote code for artificial intelligence, but it was coming from the undetectable. So that when people use the technology, it actually carried the essence of encounter. Like, I might be thinking bigger than the walls in here. I'm just saying there's opportunities for us to be in the gates of new discovery with God. You know, I had a spiritual daughter that was working with the United Nations on the ethics of outer space. Not a lot of people are thinking about that, but <laughs> when we go to Mars, not if, when we go to Mars, who's going to write the laws? Who's going to craft the Constitution? I hope the righteous are in those gates of discovery. There's so much opportunity in the earth to demonstrate heaven on earth in so many different spheres of society. And I just want to take a moment. I just honor whatever sphere God's put you in. Like, it is spiritual. Like, what we're doing, it's like sometimes like, well, they're really spiritual because they're speaking kingdom things and I just go over to my place where I'm running a business with 750 employees, and it's not very spiritual. It's like, yeah, it's very spiritual. If you want it to be. If you want it to be. And there's opportunity. Everything we're talking about isn't just for an intercessor. It's for the person who's been mandated to build something in the earth, whether it's a business, in education, government, so I just wanted to take that moment. I honor who you are in the kingdom of God. That you'd have great favor and great grace to release what's on the heart and mind of God. In the book of uh, Exodus 31, verse 1, says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, and the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God with wisdom, with understanding, 
with knowledge and with all kinds of skills. Someone say skills. To make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Aholiab, son of Ahisamach, and the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I've given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you. To make everything I've commanded you. The tent of meeting, the ark of the covenant, the atonement cover on it, all the furnishings of the tent and the table and its articles, the pure gold lampstand and all of its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, its all its utensils, the basin with the stand, and also the woven garments, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests, and the anointing oil and fragrance incense of the holy place. They are to make them just as I commanded you. There's a trifecta here between Moses, Bezalel, and Aholiab. And I really believe that there's a profile that's generating on teams that we need to begin to be aware of, that there's going to be a grace for new synergies and partnerships on teams. And I believe there's three graces connected to this. And spiritually speaking, in a divine intelligence, as we're talking about, it would be wonder, wisdom, and understanding. But to put it very practically, um, it would be the treasurer, the architect, and the builder. And we're going to begin to see supernatural treasurers, supernatural architects, and supernatural builders who are going to begin to synergize and collaborate and begin to build heaven on earth. But it's interesting because what Brian's talking about is actually this isn't limited to earth. Because you actually got to have a kingdom paradigm, which means you have to believe about on Mars as it is in heaven, as you do on earth as it is in heaven. Which means the reality of what we're about to build is going to be galactic. It's going to be otherworldly. It's going to begin to think and synergize the cosmos and the reality of what we can't anticipate unless we're connected to God's divine intelligence and discover new ways to relate, new ways to dignify value, new structures to build, new ways to um, relate with resources and structures. People are talking about a reformation right now, which Brian and I are very excited about. And uh, we have a, a platform called Kingdom Reformers with two other friends, Dub Alexander and Matt Gonzalez. But, you know, people are, this is in the heart of people. But what's important is that we're not just looking to address systems from a standpoint of saying, hey, could it be upgraded? We're going to begin to assess systems to know whether or not they're dignifying people with value. And God's going to begin to actually redeem the way that we relate and serve people. And so the structures we're about to build are not going to be things that just celebrate the fact that we built something new. It's actually going to add value to people's lives from a kingdom point of view, whether or not they understand the kingdom or not. And so God's expanding our domain. There's an expanse that we've not been willing to, uh, we haven't understood because 
it wasn't in front of us. And innovators and people that may or may not even know the Lord, we don't, I don't know. I don't know Elon Musk. I don't, I don't know Jeff Bezos. I don't know what their relationship with God is. But I tell you what, they're thinking really, really big. And they have builders' anointings on their lives, don't they? And so what does it look like if we have all the cheat codes? What if we have divine wisdom? We're seeing what's possible in man's strength and man's brilliance right now. What's possible when the mind of God is there? We are one with the one who knows all things. The terms of relationship have changed. Jesus said it in John 15, I no longer call you slave, I call you Friend, and how does he define that relationship? He says, because a slave doesn't know what its master is doing, which means as a friend, I get to know. So what does it look like for me to expect to know and be one with the mind of God? It's good, man. Now, God in moments can bring a supernatural knowing Anyone ever experienced this? You just know something. There's no reason why you know it. It's beyond your capacity, beyond your education level, yada, yada, yada. I was in a meeting speaking on DNA, and when I started, got halfway into it, I was like, how do I know that? But I kept speaking, and this guy comes up and says, hey, so where did you get your doctorate? And I said, oh, I don't have a doctorate. And He's like, well, where'd you get your master's? I said, I don't have a master's. He says, well, what field of science did you study? I said, I went to Bible college. (laughs) (laughs) He sits down and says, well, how do you know this? Like, I I live in in an area where the Human Genome Project happened, like, a mile from my house. Like, there's, they're, they're working on immortality from a transhumanistic perspective. There's a lot of interesting things going on. And so this guy says to me, I've been in genetics for over 30 years. How do you know this? And the verse comes to me, 1 John 2.20, the Spirit's anointed us to know all things. And I said, I just know. I don't know how, but I just do. Now, that's amazing, and I love that, but God does not always work that way. Sometimes he leaves a little clue. It's like a little piece of yarn, and you have to be like, where's the ball? Where's the ball of yarn? You know, for me, to use a personal example that's in recent life is in 2018, God said, learn about cryptocurrency. Super random. I was like, okay. So what did I do? Did I just start praying, Lord, to just download? It's like, all right, I researched cryptocurrency. I spent about 200 hours researching cryptocurrency and blockchain technology and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, all these opportunities started opening. All these connections started opening with people from all over the world, which would not have happened if I just waited and prayed. God brought a nudge. So I love the supernatural knowing, but I also love the nudge. There is a responsibility. When God conceals something, there's a responsibility to discover it. There's a high value for curiosity in the kingdom of God. And so I would encourage you, even if you feel the slightest nudge, take a step of faith and begin to learn what that is, begin to ask questions about what that is with people that know it. And you may be surprised what begins to open up in a supernatural way and in a natural way. 
It's exciting because on the understanding side, the builder's side, um, we're, un- we're realizing that there is a process. We're realizing that there's a need for governance. And so the, there's something amazing about the mind. So your mind has eight different parts in it, right? And, um, and I'm not an expert, particularly in this field, obviously, but the, there's something amazing as I study, as I research it, as I get into it, and I see what's possible. When your mind is in order, special things begin to be possible. And it's almost like an operating system, right? So I've been exploring this idea of what's the operating system of heaven begin to look like? If God has a mind and he promised us a new mind as part of the new creation, that means that there's a higher level of operating that's possible for my mind to be aligned with. And so it's, it's amazing because the more we are aware of what to think about, the more we're capable of exploring the depths and the realms of the mind of God. And so Brian and I, we actually did, we put together a school called the School of Divine Intelligence. And last year, we, we put together our first course, and the concept of the course was um, how to love God with your mind, but over nine months, we took on nine forms of human intelligence. And essentially, psychologists agree that when we think, we are thinking in nine different realms, And so, obviously, our mind works consciously, and it works subconsciously. And so, we're not always even cognitive of the fact that our brain is thinking and functioning and doing things in a space and processing for us so that we can relate with humanity around us. And, you know, and so these are things like language intelligence. These are things like cultural intelligence, physiological intelligence, um, uh, data or analytics intelligence, meta-intelligence, cosmos intelligence, financial intelligence, or the idea of value. And there's these things, these foundations that when we interact with humans, our brain is processing information inside of these systems that become an operating system of thought. And so really all the challenges in the world are people who have varying levels of connectivity in their mind and, or, or blockages in their mind connected to how healthy they really are. And so obviously when we experience trauma, when we experience pain, um, there are certain centers in the brain that begin to take over the job of other parts of your brain because you're in crisis mode or you're in you know, fight or flight type of a mode. And until you come out of agreement with the experience in your mind that you had in those places, you will not operate in union even with yourself. And so one of the things that we needed to step into to learn how to love God with our mind is actually first let God come into our mind and heal our mind. As we've been sharing this and going after this the last few years, God's been opening up this invitation about exploring wisdom. And it's a lot of it's been connected to the mind for me personally. And as I've been exploring it and teaching and, and, and equipping on it, people are having radical mind healings. We're seeing fog disappear. We're seeing psychosis disorders literally just melt. There's this, this closed head injuries are beginning to just, to, I mean, it's just like, renewals coming to the mind in a powerful way because we're beginning to realize that our mind is important to God. Nowhere does God, does Jesus ever say, I, you know, can you please give me your heart? Isn't it funny? Like Jesus never says that. Jesus wants your mind because if you can have your mind and it be renewed, then we know that transformation will be possible. 
Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed in the renewing of your mind. So tonight, I really believe that the Lord wants to renew some minds. He wants to begin to open up the gateway of your mind so that you can realize how united with the mind of God that you really are. Brian, you've had great breakthrough here. It's awesome, man. Seventh grade, my parents said a group of teachers want to meet with you. In that meeting, they said, you have multiple learning disabilities, and we're going to have to put you in special classes. Uh, they didn't really understand what was going on, but a seventh grader, Brian, took these lies in as truth because my teachers are telling me that my brain doesn't work correctly. They said, you'll never be married because the way your brain functions is you will not be able to have the capacity to have a sustainable relationship. You'll never make it to college. So seventh grade Brian took all of this on, and I lived it out. And so I had an encounter with God, and it was a very simple encounter. And he said, so who told you that was true? <laughs> I said, well, my teachers. He said, do they know what they are talking about? I said, I don't know. He said, I never said that to you. And in a simple moment, in a simple conversation, the lies that I had taken on broke off. And immediately, I began to function at a different capacity. And so I just, I just want to pray something. Is that okay? Did you have something you want to dive into? Um, I was going to share a testimony related to it, but go ahead. Go for no. it, man. You're hitting it. Go for it. You do the testimony, and then we'll pray. Release it. I love you. All right. <laughs> Sing together, duet, and then we'll go. How many have struggled, whether it's dyslexia, you've been labeled with learning disabilities, you feel like you can't comprehend things, it can't move too fast? If that's just a space you've lived in, would you mind just standing up? Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much for standing. Awesome. Hey, if you're nearby someone, just put a hand in. We're going to pray. Yeah, come on. Thank you, Lord. Let there be light. Let there be light. The substance of who you are, God, you are light. Let that begin to flow in the crown of the head. The ancient pathways of who you are come into the pathways of the brain, neural pathways being formed by the light of God. Healing presence and power, going to every component, every part of your brain, align with the kingdom of light. Align with the kingdom of light. You would comprehend. You would know. Beyond education, beyond capacity, I pray every lie, any word curse that's been spoken over you that you can't comprehend, you're just never going to be able to let that be broken and fall off right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth who came in the flesh. Let there be light. I bless your mind to function at full capacity. Unified with the mind of Christ, I speak the truth that you are brilliant in Christ. So we thank you for the super intelligence, the mind of Christ. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In 1994, I was uh, a sophomore in high school. It was, my, it was the fall of 94, and um, my whole high school career, I was mercilessly built, bullied. And um, just every terrible story that you can think of, I, I pretty much have it. Humiliated, I mean, over and over and over again. And uh, I was, didn't really have a friend support system. I came into the public schools after being homeschooled through eighth grade. And so, I mean, I was like fresh meat <laughs> taken to the slaughter, you know? I mean, it was just, it was brutal. And um, fall of 94, though, I decided to stick up for myself trying to figure this thing out. And I made the wrong person mad and, and him getting jumped by two guys in the locker room. And uh, they end up shattering my face and I'd have reconstructive surgery and my parents um, at the time just thought it was a good idea that I'd go back to school pretty quickly. And so uh, with bruises and things, and so I gained the nickname Coon, as in a raccoon, because of all the bruising on my face. And it was a very, very difficult experience. After that, we moved states to, from Kentucky to Michigan, and, and there was a, a group of guys there who just marked me the moment I walked in the door. And there were days I would literally run, felt like I was running for my life as 10 people chased me down through over fences, places, and you know, it was, and obviously I'm not a huge individual. I've got the COVID-19-15 right now, but, you know, I'm, I'm not large in stature. And, uh, and so it was just, it was very, very difficult. My whole high school career is very, very difficult. And uh, the Lord, you know, it was, it was interesting. Um, I guess it's just four years ago now, four years ago. I ended up getting my first um, consulting client that was not a believer, and so I'd worked a lot, you know, I was starting to grow in the business space and work with more clients, um, you know, outside the church context. Um, but every person who brought me in was a believer. And so whether it was covert, overt, didn't matter, the person who brought me in was a believer. And, and, um, and so, so one, one morning, this, uh, I get this retainer. It was not a lot of money. It was not a life-changing experience. And uh, was not, did not, it did not need to be something worth celebrating but I, I, found, I, saw, I found myself oversharing. Anyone ever been in that moment where you, you're oversharing and you, you become aware? You know, like, what am I doing? <laughs> it's like, and, uh, and I had one of those moments and I had like, I texted my people. You know, it's my people. But, you know, there's like eight or nine people. Hey, got this retainer. Hey, got this retainer. You know, it sounds creepy when you talk about it out loud. But that's what's happening. I was excited. You know, I was excited. So then I'm like at Starbucks. I'm there to meet another pastor and do some stuff and... I'm there a little early, so I'm going to go inside and send some emails before this guy gets here. And I sit down, and that's when I become aware that I was oversharing. And, I was, and God's like, Drew, do you want to know why you're oversharing? I'm like, yeah, Lord, I want to know why I'm oversharing. He took me back to 1994 in that locker room where I was knocked out and labeled and rejected. And he said, that day you believed a lie. And the lie was that the world would never receive you. It's so simple. But it was a lie I believed. From that moment of trauma, I marked myself as only being able to work in the context of a local church. 
And it was just so interesting because, you know, I'd started working on larger deals and getting in larger transactions and volumes of money and, and opportunities. And so I'd be with a friend and we'd be in a room and, you know, and, and high profile people and seven figures, eight figures are on the table. And we come out of these meetings and my buddy would be like, Drew, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? Why are you behaving this way? I have, what, what are you talking about? You are not being yourself. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm Drew Neal. I am myself. I, I love myself. You know? And, and it was this lie being confronted in these moments where people I perceived as outsiders from the church world, me judging whether or not they would receive me, and me getting into performance and getting into these places where I was compromising who I was to try to get something to happen. So I'm sitting at Starbucks, and I'm at a little table just like this. And you guys, I start to dirty cry at Starbucks. You know, the, the dirty cry thing where there's a pool of snot on the table? Like, like so, so deep, deep dirty cry. I mean, it was terrible. And I am like, there's a wall right here, and I'm like covering my face, and I'm like, this pastor coming here in a minute, and I am just undone. And in that moment, freedom began to come into my life in a way like I had never experienced. Because I got permission in that moment to be who I was made to be. But something changed in my mind. In that moment, my mind began to work. My mind got in a position where it would start to function in the order it was meant to because trauma was removed from that place in my mind. Things begin to move for me. I begin to go through a series of visitations and prophets begin to give us words and alignment started to happen. And I tell you, it was like information would start to slow down. It was like the matrix. And things have begun to be like I see things in patterns now that I never saw before. Information that didn't ever relate now relates. And I understand where the door is and where the window is and how the functions need to happen. And the architect's anointing has come alive inside of my mind because healing and restoration came. And it doesn't matter if you have a, you were mercilessly bullied story or you were labeled with some type of learning disorder. No matter where you're at in the spectrum, when pain comes, we have a choice to make. And it's will that pain inform my future or will I allow God to be invited in to restore me so that I can begin to, or continue to be one with his mind? And right now, if there's a place that you would just like to invite God into, maybe you just like to ask him a question and say, God, is there a place, is there an experience that's still holding me back from my mind being one with your mind because of the agreement I've made to think according to my pain rather than my oneness? Why don't you ask the Lord that question right now? Lord, is there something in my mind? Is there an experience I've had? Lord, is that place where I've done 35 sozos already on it? <laughs> God, is there any mindset, any lie I'm believing that's holding me back from being in agreement with the mind of Christ? 
Just ask the Lord right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. If you're getting an answer and you would like to invite the Lord into that space to come into disagreement with the lie, in alignment with the mind of God. Why don't you stand right now? I'd like to pray for you. There's innovation behind this breakthrough. There's wisdom behind this breakthrough. There's access to the architect's anointing behind this breakthrough. And so, Father, right now, I ask that you come and heal our mind. We come into disagreement with what we replaced truth with, the lie, the hurt, the trauma, or the pain. And we choose to invite you in that our mind would be whole and restored. I call every mind in the room into the alignment of heaven right now in the name of of the Lord Jesus Christ. I ask that minds be washed in the blood of Jesus right now. I ask for all eight functions of the brain to come alive right now in Jesus' mighty name. I ask for lies to go. I ask for fog to go. I ask for stress and anxiety out of misalignment to go right now. And I call you into oneness. I call you into the awareness of your union. And I say, mind be free in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Father, we receive this breakthrough. We receive your mind. And we trust you to do the work. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Like Moses and Bezalel and Aholiab, there was an anointing for these three graces to come together. The treasurer, the architect, and the builder. And Brian and I would like to pray for those who are visionaries. Those who are people who know that you've been called to steward wonder. You've been called to steward the treasures of heaven and we would like to pray for you. And so if you're, if you're a treasurer and that relates with you, I know we haven't spent a lot of time to unpack that. We will in our school this, this fall. But hey, if you are resonating with it, would you just stand up real quick? If you believe you're called to steward the wonder of heaven. Yes, Lord. And now the architects in the room, if you believe you're called to have divine strategy, if you are called to, to um, transcribe and translate the unseen into blueprints, why don't you stand? And finally, if you believe you're called to be a builder, if you believe you're called to have the builder's anointing, the gift of understanding, why don't you stand? Yeah. And now everyone else can stand too because <laughs> there's only a few of you left. We don't want to leave you out. But I wanted you to make an, a public acknowledgement behind this. We're going to pray quickly and we're going to dismiss you guys. Why don't you start? Quick story. 
did university ministry, and there was a girl studying for the MCAT. Her dad was a really well-known surgeon. She was freaking out about the test, really stressing out. And in a meeting like this, she falls out of a chair, rolling around like crazy, never seen her in this state before. And I hear her saying, I don't have to study. I can stop studying. So God said to stop studying. She gets drunk in the Holy Spirit, aces the MCAT. The reason I'm sharing this story, there, there's something about an inebriation in the spirit that increases your capacity to be intellectual. It's a paradox. It's a paradox. So just receive. Holy Spirit, you like wine. Yes, Lord. <laughs> More bubbles. Pull out a good year. Jesus has a house of wine, Song of Songs too. A lot of wine in there. Maybe a year that represents loss for you is a year that he was crushing the enemy over your life, making really good wine. So his interpretation of your year is very different. So just begin to drink. Just begin to receive. We need more of you, Holy Spirit, more awareness of who you are. We need new wine for a new season. New wine for a new season. Yes. I put a stamp of expiration on some seasons in this room right yes. now. Yes. The time is now coming into a new season. The old season is expired. Yes. The wine before will not be the same. There is new wine. Drink. Drink of the new wine. Drink of the new wine. We need something from another world to affect this world. So we simply receive, Holy Spirit. We simply drink. <laughs> Help us for a moment to get out of our mind and fully into yours. <laughs> In the last piece, some of you faced circumstances that have been very overwhelming. I want you to take a moment, and you may need to start with your will to do this, just how sometimes when we worship, we don't feel like worshiping, but we just make a choice. I want you to begin to laugh at those things that seem overwhelming and tell them about your father. Do you understand who my father is? So that means open your mouth. This is not an internal exercise. <laughs> That's remarkable, that laugh. <laughs> a sign and a wonder. I'm just telling you guys, there's freedom available right now. It's like right in front of you, right in front of you, right in front of you. Wounds from the past season, some of us need medicine right now. Some of us need medicine.
Sometimes our laugher needs some WD-40. <laughs> Gets a little rusty when you don't use it. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. <laughs> yes, Lord. There's more in the room. There's more in the room. You can't talk about the treasure's anointing and not live in the treasure. There's more in the room. Vaults are being unlocked right now. Resources and resources and resources. The vaults of heaven, the vaults of heaven with a physical manifestation. Passcodes, keys, combinations in Jesus' mighty name. Security badges of heaven into the vaults to steward, to multiply, to open. Treasurers, come forth. Woo. Treasurers. Security clearance of heaven is being released right now, right now into the vaults of heaven. Treasurers, you have permission. Treasurers, you are released. Treasurers, you can open. Treasurers, you can multiply. And you will know how. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, grab your badge. Grab your badge, put it around your neck, put it in your wallet. You are approved, you are prepared, you are empowered, you are necessary, and you are for now. Yes. More, 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 more. Architects. <laughs> Architects, we call you forward right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you that architects, when they're with treasurers, have the abundance to dream and to design the things of heaven without limitation. Design without limitation. I release creativity, creativity right now that as we would draw, as we would um, code, as we would design, that blueprints from heaven would begin to manifest into a physical reality. God, I ask for the dream of heaven to begin to manifest into structures, into reformation, in their institutions, in the social constructs, in poverty, in chaos, in government political parties. God, give us the blueprints of heaven. I'm not a problem. I'm a solution. I'm not in the way of the plan of God. I am the plan of God. I get to know because I'm one with the one who knows all things. Blueprints, blueprints, blueprints. Architects anointing. Architects anointing. You get to know how. Father, I thank you for the dream where a tree can become a two-by-four and it can relate with metals and shingles and wire and piping. God, give us the understanding of how things that are in out of context can be reshaped to have a new relationship on a blueprint. Transformation, multiple formations, multiple formations, architects anointing. We release it right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I wisdom dwell with prudence and witty inventions. I'm seeing inventions all in the room. Who's working on something to invent something? Raise a hand. If you're working on something, you're trying to invent something, some type of project, technology, keep your hand up. Someone near my put a hand on them. Inventions are in the room. Thank you, Lord. Patents. Patents. So just an act of faith, those of you that have raised your hand, just pull it down from right above you. This is the undetectable space. I'm calling and build, I'm, I'm grabbing this that is above into my life. Inventions. We call forth inventions, solutions that will solve problems that have been a problem for a very long time. Witty inventions. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, Lord. I pray the patterns, the missing piece. Some of you, there's been a missing piece. The piece is dropping in right now. The missing piece is dropping in right now. The roadblock. Make it smooth, Lord. Make the path smooth. Fast track. Fast track the process. Yeah, Lord. We bless the ability to invent. My grandfather was an inventor, so I have breakthrough. He invented a thing called the clothespin. You heard about that? He didn't patent it. didn't have business sense, but I slapped him because I would have been really rich if you would have patented that thing, buddy. He was always inventing stuff. So I just, I released the breakthrough of invention. I released the breakthrough of invention. Inventive ideas that would revolutionize society, bring solutions to the poor, bring solutions to systemic problems. That would be a key to unlock, that heaven would manifest on earth. Thank you, Father, for inventions. Father, we thank you for the builders that are in the room. The builders that are in the room. Father, they rarely get credit for the things they've done. They carry so much. Father, we just release, Father, new freedom over the builder's anointing inside of all of us in the room but father even those who have been called to champion the grace father we call the builders forward spirit filled mind united with christ builders who are able to take the the treasures of heaven that have been opened and aligned in a blueprint and manifested on the earth in order Father, I thank you for the order that is created, the order of heaven that is about to be established through the builder's anointing, the structures of heaven. Father, I declare that as the treasurer opens up the wine, that the builder would build the wineskin to carry the wine into places the wine maybe wouldn't be seen or experienced. Father, I thank you for for flexible structures, adaptive structures, structures that actually serve the interest of people. Father, that dignify others with value. Father, I thank you, God, for the builder's anointing. And God, finally, we ask that you would knit these three hearts together to be unified. 
to be unified. Give us the language of connection, God. Give us the language of connection. We are a connection away from heaven on earth. Give us the language of connection, God. Oh, give us the language of connection. Oh, the treasurers, uh, architects, and builders. Uh, oh, would unite uh, that heaven would be built on the earth. Give us the language of connection. We call it into the now. We pull it forward for now. Collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. Unity and collaboration. We call you into the now. Woo! Now, it's for now, it's for now. Come on, grab a hand next to you. It's for the now, it's for the now. Come on, release it over one another. Collaboration, unity of the body, unity of the body. We release it right now in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, church, declare it out. Open up your mouths. Make a declaration under the King of Kings. Protect our hearts. Protect our hearts. God, give us the language to protect our hearts, but our hearts remaining soft and available. Let us understand how to define relationship for four wins. The win of the kingdom, the win for my collaborator, the win for myself, and the win for the person I serve. I release a four-win language right now that relationships would be defined, that heaven would be able to be seen. Touched, tasted, experienced heaven it must manifest on the earth and we give ourselves to this pursuit y'all extend a hand to these two come here no extend a hand don't give a hand Father, we just pray you continue to breathe on what they're carrying right now. I pray, Father, whatever their needs are, Father, you would provide them. Breathe on the, breathe on the, on the, on just your crazy God math, where two become one in a spiritual revelation and become exponentially stronger. Father, we just breathe on them. I just pray you breathe on them for where they go, the doors that open, the revelation they carry. May you deepen it beyond what they expect. May you deepen it beyond what they can even fathom. May you give them more revelatory insights that will open up the hearts of people of who they are as sons and daughters of God. And then move, build, define, and go. 
So, Father, we just bless them. We bless them from this house. We pray for vision over their houses. We pray a grace and a mercy over their houses, protection over their businesses, over their churches, over their ministries, over their families. And, Father, we just, we just, just multiply what they're putting their hands to. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website at kingdomlifesa.com for more podcasts, updates, and events, or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a blessed day.